Hello, everybody, and welcome to a brand new episode of the Brain Food Show. We are making these on the regular lately. I am, I am uh, slightly surprised, also <laughs> pleased. It's happening. This is yeah. uh, Medieval Times Part Five because what we wanted to do is we'll not make episodes for ages, and then we'll come back with five episodes covering the same topic because yeah. <laughs> well, we want to appeal to everyone, and uh, clearly, we're marketing geniuses. Yeah, that's good. <laughs> The show grew a lot. This is the our, last one though, right? Yeah. Yeah, this is the last one in this series. The show grew a lot though in our every time we would come back, it would be like way way more popular than before. I mean, it's weird that whenever we make episodes, <laughs> more people watch. I mean, I would never have expected this. Yeah, yeah. Ever. That's uh, my attempt at sarcasm. Um this is the last medieval one, right? It is. Cuz I, I mean, I don't want to say that I'm sick of it because that's obviously bad for, you know, yeah. <laughs> yeah, you don't want to start your show being like just just a heads up. This one is uh, the same the same stuff as before. No, no, I like it. I like it. I just I, I also like some variety in my life. But uh, yeah, we got some variety coming. Yeah, I'm excited about variety. What do we got next week or uh, whenever we next release? Are you ready to say? Do you know yet? I think you. I feel like you told me. So either you don't want to well, say, you want to keep it secret, so it must no, no. be extra good. Or the fact okay. that we're going to record it in about an hour and a half. And I just covered it and then completely blanking on even what it's about. Oh, wait, I got it. Wow. <laughs> Dude, you want to get checked for that. Maybe you should get one of those apps that trains your brain, you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, it is on the origin of everyday things, and it is going to be chopsticks, spoons, oh, forks, knives, yeah. and whatnot. Now, you might be thinking, oh, Simon just asked David for, you know, podcast banter. No, Simon asked David because he also totally forgot, even though he'd been told five minutes ago what it was about. <laughs> Literally, we just talked about it and we both forgot. Yeah. Uh, I like that. I recently, and I think I even brought up that I recently made a Business Blaze video about forks, which, uh, you know, obviously that's yeah, a yeah. really strong reason to go and subscribe to that channel because everyone loves a bit of fork talk. Yeah. But they were the, the, the tools of the devil or something. And, you know, yeah, yeah. God gave, you know, people were like, God gave you perfectly good hands for eating. Yeah. And I'd be like, I was a huge fan of KFC, I'd agree. Yeah. And going back to the other thing, it is kind of funny though, with because uh, we both forget what we've just covered like five seconds before. Oh God, it is amazing. You asked me what I recorded on videos last yeah. week. I couldn't tell you. Yeah. You, you know, tell me about this person's life. I'll be like, I don't know. They're a soldier, maybe. Right. Yeah. Well, it is amazing because I've just you know spent the day going over this and like and you know I can't even remember what it's going to be on. But then once we get started, you know, it's just right there somehow. It's all there. It's all there. Somehow. It's the same. Like when I watch a video later. I'd be like, oh yeah, I remember everything about this. But if yeah. you quizzed me on it, it'd be yeah. like, this is crazy. But also, like, imagine preparing for exams, like university or whatever, or school. It's like, you never just read the book and you're like, ready. It's yeah. always, you got to read the book like 17 times and yeah, then yeah. write it down and write it down again yeah. and then make some mind map or some yeah. I'm like, people are like, you don't remember this? I'm like, obviously not. When was the last time you read a book and remembered every damn detail? Yeah. Ah, <laughs> uh, well, let's, let's, should we, should we get on? Yeah, oh, we should you know, start us with yeah, that appetizer. Yeah. I'm eventually coming around to calling it the, the names you've declared it as. And don't sections. forget, everyone, go review the podcast oh, yeah. for a chance to win $1,000. Review it anywhere. Oh, God, you're doing my job for me. I think, yeah. look at this. I, I didn't put it in the notes up. this I time. So. And then yeah. I need, yeah. uh, dude, look, you know, most of my stuff is I'm reading off a teleprompter. I'm utterly incompetent <laughs> unless I have assistance. Like it has to be literally written down in front of me for me to be able to do anything <laughs> the funny thing about that is you do a really good job on that uh a business place of sort of like ad-libbing on the on the fly and that is so hard to do when talking to a camera like when talking i could be like talking to you and telling you about something and just like go through it like really nicely 
But then like when you're trying to ad lib in front of the camera, it's just like your brain just is like, nope, that's I'm not talking to a person. I need a script. I just have a cardboard cutout of Worf from Star Trek really? and I pretend I'm no, not really. I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah, but uh, this is funny. something I consider, especially <laughs> especially at the beginning, because I, I, I wondered how I was going to do the show. Yeah. And I was like, I'll keep this super brief, I know, because people want stuff about medieval stuff. Yeah. Um, I was wondering how I'm going to do the show because it is hard to talk to a camera like that. It is. And I was like, okay, I'll print out a picture of a face and uh-huh. put it there. But eventually I just got okay at it. And I was yeah. like, okay, this, this works out fine. Just pretend that well, it, it is kind of funny because if you see it in isolation, if people didn't know about a camera or anything, you're just some guy standing in a room in your basement ranting to yourself. L- literally like, shouting at the stuff, Yeah, like yeah. shouting like, it looks like you're a crazy person. <laughs> oh, my neighbors must think I'm insane. There's a, there's a, the office next to mine was empty for the longest time. And now it's opened up as a shop that sells like uh, comic books and stuff. Yeah. So I'm like, there's definitely going to be people in there and they're going to be like buying comic books and they're just going to hear some guy next door like randomly shouting like <laughs> silence infidel or something, you know. Someone's going to call the police eventually. Yeah. So appetizer. Oh for- my God, a friend of mine. Sorry, I know. I, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I have to tell you a story. Okay. A friend of mine was coming home from the the, the shops, like the mall, um, and he lives right next door to it. And he's coming home with his daughter who was having an absolute fit just going mad, like just having one of these, I think she's like four years old, three years old, just having an absolute tantrum. Yeah. And he takes her home and he's like, wife, help, please. (laughs) And the police show up at his door. Oh. And yeah, yeah, yeah. And they're just, hello there. Uh, We just want to make sure that you have a daughter and uh, we'd like to see her. Because they were like, someone had called the police just in case she was being kidnapped. And I was like, one, that's intense. And two, I'm glad. I was like, that's pretty great. Like, there's someone actually called the cops on like this because you don't know what's going on. Yeah, yeah. Um, Yeah. That's crazy. Sorry. Let's do some show. Let's jump in. Uh, So, appetizer today. So, chastity belts are like a thing in like um, popular entertainment. Uh, But were they actually... Mm ever a thing worn by uh, like women or men or really women is the stereotype there uh in medieval times you're up to but uh when when her knightly man was off, like times. raping murdering and pillaging for profit and fun so what was this ever actually a thing it turns out or at least ever actually a thing in medieval time i should say uh it turns out no it does not appear so um so the first it would appear that the actual popularity of the chastity belts and sort of the myth came about in the 18th and 19th century thanks to the obsession mm with like masturbation as a societal ill. Um, and so there's also, there's some speculation that women wore it uh, in the workplace, like in the industrial revolution and everything to protect themselves, but that isn't actually really clear um, totally or to what extent if it was the case. Um, that's bringing it. this back to Forks, why did they think it was sinful? I mean, God gave you perfectly good hands. <laughs> We're going to get into that. We're going to get into that in detail and uh, some funny things. But um, oh, okay, so yeah, the, that said... It was, if you go back to the late medieval period, that is the um, first known depiction of a chastity belt-like device. It was in Conrad Kaiser's 1405 book. Kaiser. Let's call him Kaiser. Yeah, let's go with that. Uh, Military technology, uh, his book on military technology called Bellefortis. And in the book, uh, Kaiser writes about and draws various things like battering rams, crossbows, um, instruments of tortures, mentions how to castrate a man. Um, And then also, not particularly, not, like totally related to war, but kind of uh, tangentially merely to soldiers' pastimes, he described a female chastity device. And uh, this was drawn by by Kaiser is and um, had some accompanying text that stated, These are hard iron breeches of Florentine women, which are closed at the front. 
Yeah, so he goes on to state in a, in a sort of ironic tone. Padlocks onto the four-legged creatures. Breaches onto the women of Florence. A joke binds this lovely series together. I recommend them to the noble and obedient youth. Wait, what's going on a four-legged creature? What's going on? Padlocks, I'm not sure. And uh, he's joking around here, basically. And um, so given that sort of the tongue-in-cheek nature of this, it's generally thought he was really just sort of uh, making fun of Florentine women or talking about how they're really hard to sleep with rather than actually something that they uh, physically wore or anything like that. Yeah. Um, so that's generally thought what this was. He was just joking around. Um, that said, several poems of the era do refer to chastity belts, but they don't talk about like these locking devices. They talk about either just cloth, strips of cloth, like just kind of like, you know, a special underwear or whatever. That's more like a sort of like a promise ring, you know, like I'm going to wear this while you're gone, you know, like this. This cloth is oh. sort of, I'm not going to sleep with anyone else yeah. while you're gone, uh, type of thing. Or so just sort of a symbolic thing. And that said, wait, so what's that ring? Isn't there a wing, ring that people wear? This I, I feel like this is definitely an American thing that I've just heard about yeah. in movies. That is like a thing that people wear saying that they're not going to have sex until they get married. Is that, a, is that a promise ring or is that like you're promising yourself? Wait, so what's a promise ring? You know, I should know that, but um, actually... I, Maybe. You're my resident American. You're who I have to go to to ask these questions. When well, I get see, I, I was thinking in my mind, promise ring was one thing, but now that you're saying that, I kind of think that maybe you're right. Sweet. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't matter. This really is like off topic. I was just curious. <laughs> Are you Googling it? Yes. Okay. And a promise for any... Oh, okay, so it's that. I was going to say it was a promise to get engaged in the future, sort of like a pre-engagement Well, that's ring. an engagement ring. But you are correct that it also signifies oh. I'm going to stay monogamous. Oh, no, it's a purity ring that is the signify a pledge of sexual abstinence Ooh. until marriage. So, yeah. All right, then. Yeah, no, I have none of those. It's also a American emo band from Milwaukee. Oh. <laughs> oh, okay. That's yeah. uh, an interesting choice for an emo band, I guess. Yeah. Um, um, so, where were we? So, yeah. Um, so, the medieval period is generally thought to end around the um, end of the 15th century, but... In the, there are uh, paintings and drawings from the 15th and 16th century showing women wearing metal chastity belts and even, but noteworthy here in these, they often also have like padlocks on their tongues and stuff, uh, which obviously is not something anyone actually did uh, with the tongue part. So it's generally thought that these were just sort of, um, you know, just fictional narrative things. And they, they do appear in fictional narrative stuff of like jealous husbands, you know, locking up their wives with these things. But like, Obviously, the, for the practicality sake of it and the way they're depicted here, it's just metal against skin, which is not going to, I mean, for an extended period, that's not going to work, especially for women. It's not, that's really not going to work out for you and you're going to get like infection and all that. Um, so yeah, that would, it's generally thought that this, uh, this wasn't really a thing. So when did the first verifiable chastity belt come about? And so you'll often hear that it first appeared in 1388, uh, owned by Francesco di Carrara II, the Lord of, I don't know, Padua. Uh, the oldest city in it northern. Is what I often hear. It's yeah, like, uh, <laughs> often yeah, in conversation. Yeah. Uh, so, the belt was supposedly designed for his, um, his presumably his wife, um, and it's it's on display at the Doge's Palace in Venice, um, and supposedly from this era. But the problem is why most historians don't think this one's uh, quite accurate is because there's a lot of chastity belts supposedly from the medieval period that have since been shown to have not been when they do dating and stuff on them. And this one is just thought to help. It was kind of, it's not really known when this one showed up either in the collection or how it got there. Uh, and it's just thought it was probably just to vilify him as a supposed tyrant because that was sort of a thing in popular history to sort of keep that going. And so to sum up on this one, there was a um, quite a, actually a good a good read. I didn't read the whole thing, but um, part of it, uh, Albert Clausen's book, 
The Medieval Chastity Belt, a myth-making process. He sums up the whole thing on this one. All the studies of the history of Padua yield the same results and confirm that the identification of Francisco II as the inventor of the chastity belt was a myth, though a highly successful and long-reaching one. See, and when I was reading it, I was wanting to like include like, you know, this is the summation, but there's actually like a reasons, but it's not like a smoking, smoking gun like reason. It's just like this. He's got this whole chapter on this part uh, that's just like uh, sort of all kind of leans it towards that. So, and I, I thought it would be too boring to include the whole thing. So I just did the summation there. <laughs> but yeah. Good decision. Uh, yeah. So that said, there's lots of prominent museums who for a time and some still do um, have medieval chastity belts on display. But yeah, like I said, when they um, when they start doing like dating on the, the metal, uh, not so much. For instance, there's uh, one of the chastity belts housed at the National Museum of the Middle Ages in Paris. Uh, it was long thought to be uh, belonged to Catherine de Medici, labeled in the 15th century. But then in the 1990s, they dated it. And it turns out it was from the early 19th century, actually. Carbon dating is so cool. I think we yeah. discussed this before. But it's like all of this stuff that everyone was sure about, all of these archaeologists thinking they're so smart. And then these these like future archaeologists come to light and it's like, yeah, it turns out most of that was wrong. We have better tools. That's, that's like um, if you look at, if you want to read any like interesting fact books or like stuff like that from basically before around 2005 to 2010 is when they started to get good. But it was like pre, it was basically when Google started to get really good. <laughs> And the internet started yeah. to be like super popular in like the, <laughs> yeah. as the 2000s sort of progressed that early time. Then the interesting fact thing started to get really accurate because you have these tools of like, you know, like you start to have the tools like the, to search old like newspapers and old, old documents and stuff like books and, and they just didn't have these tools. And so you look at like the older stuff, interesting fact, it's so wildly inaccurate. It's not, you know, I mean, they didn't, they had to like go down to the library and they didn't have like these every book, you know, scanned and searchable and whatnot. Yeah. So it's like if, I mean, you'd read a fact on Google and be like, I guess it's true. I can't possibly disprove that. And then yeah. the number, the top two pages of Google are all, re all repeating the same thing. Yeah. But then it's like, well, now there's like Google Scholar and Google Books yeah, and all of where... this, you know, archives that's yeah. so easy to search. Yeah. And you search on Google Books and it's just like, yeah, well, we found this entry on page 237 of the second edition yeah. of this book from like 1942. Exactly. You're like, what is going on? And the same like the British archives is really, you can like search all the like court records in like British history and they have so many of them just scanned there and searchable. And it's so, that is so handy when looking up British history do stuff. Remember, do you remember we used to have Ancestry as a sponsor on, yeah, I think yeah. it was today I found out. Dude, this was so cool. And they gave me like free access. And I was like going through the records are crazy. Like I was search, I got back like many, many generations and you're just looking through like old wedding certificates from like 1920 and I'm like, oh, my great grandparents got married on this day. And you're like, that yeah. is wild. Yeah. It's and like, wild. Yeah. Same like searching for graves. And their like, signatures has good stuff from and, like, the, the, yeah. Oh, that's crazy. Yeah. That's oh, no, yeah. wild. I love yeah, it. Yeah. The tool, the tool is available. The one, the one sort of exception I will say is uh, Cecil Adams, I think it is. Straight dope. Straight dope. Really yeah, accurate yeah, for really accurate for the for the tools. Not he. It's probably like a group, a team, or whatever. But you know, like um, that they had available. Really super accurate. Now, granted, they were doing like one piece a week or whatever for the newspaper, and probably like whole team of people. And you know, journalism background. And everything when did like that. Snopes kick off? That was also back in the day, right? Yeah, and that was uh, at least back in the day used to be considered super accurate. I don't know. Every time I uh, mention Snopes now, everyone's like, oh, that was so that one's so inaccurate. And I'm like, that's never been my experience yeah. with them. But uh, maybe now, I don't know. I don't really, I don't really come across their stuff too much anymore in researching. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe they're not accurate anymore. I don't know, but they used to be. 
At least I, that was mm-hmm. always my impression. Yeah, I remember so. like Straight Dope and, and Snopes from like, these were some of the earliest websites I remember, you know, enjoying back yeah, in the Snopes was one 90s. of the Snopes was one of the best there in the early going. Now you so got yeah. the brain food show. Yeah, right. Yeah. Yeah. Today I found yeah. out. Yeah, very accurate. Uh, so the um, so yeah, Victorian era is when it actually seems to be that chastity belts became sort of had their heyday, other than like modern times, which they're arguably more popular now than ever in history. Um, but uh, the internet, yeah, right. And, and as mentioned, is uh, to prevent masturbation in the Victorian, and it was used as sort of like a medical device, like it could be like doctor recommended for a youth who couldn't you know keep their hands off themselves or whatever or whatever. So and they they actually got around the metal on skin problem here by the. Um, the Victorian area chastity belts typically had like leather or some sort of padded soft uh, covering underneath uh, to sort of. Uh, I'm help, imagining help some sort chasing. of steampunky chastity belt. Right yeah, there. yeah, yeah. But and also they didn't just leave it on like all the time. Like the like the depiction of the woman who has to wear it the whole time and like there's someone who has a key to take it off sometimes. But you know, but uh, yeah. So these they the cloth and or leather or whatever would be changed a lot or whatever. So just to talk about this societal evil of the masturbation. So there's a book, uh, 1853 book entitled The Silent Friend, uh, gives an example of one LD and what happened to him due to his constant masturbation. He less resembled a living creature than a corpse, lying upon straw, meager, pale, and filthy, casting forth an infectious stench, almost incapable of motion, a watery, palish blood issuing from the nose, the tongue frightfully swelling, and the saliva constantly frothing in his mouth. The discovery of the mind was equal to the body. It sounds more like he had rabies rather yeah, than... Uh... Exactly. Um, so then in a medical text, uh, a few decades later, uh, it said that you should... Teach your boy that when he handles or excites his the sexual organs, all parts of the body suffer. This is why it is called self-abuse. The skin is terrible and is, in fact, were... Uh, the sin is terrible. Sorry, I thought it was making his skin terrible, which, you know... <laughs> I mean, based on this kind of stuff, you might well believe. The sin is terrible and is, in fact, worse than lying or stealing. For although these are wicked and will ruin the soul, self-abuse will ruin the soul and body. The loathsome habit lays the foundation for consumption. (laughs) It's tuberculosis. (laughs) Paralysis and heart disease. It makes many boys lose their minds. Others, when grown, commit suicide. (laughs) I love this. The only thing they're missing is it. I don't know if it, you were told, you know, it was like the joke that it causes blindness. Yeah, yeah, that was like... This a, was always... Okay, yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah. yeah. So that also, a few centuries before that, uh, just one of my um, favorite quotes from Martin Luther, uh, the, the famed... Um, oh, that guy. You know, priest, yes. He has so many good ones. I was actually going to include a whole aside on this, but I decided not to because it's already really oh, long. Oh, I know those quotes. Yeah, this, this quote, he has so many good quotes about all sorts of things. Uh, he had like... We, we have that episode called like Martin Luther's Potty Mouth. And he was just like, you know, swore like a sailor, like in just everything, every, it, was, it just compared everything. Like it was such a, it's such a contrast to like a modern day priest, you know, like when you yeah. like, just look at what, how he wrote his sermons and stuff. It was quite entertaining. Yeah. He, I mean, he used to like uh, have these things where he's like pooping on the devil and stuff like that and just describing. See, I'd be much more into religion if that was, you know, if it's really funny, telling, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. it's really that. His, his analogies and things like this and the things. Uh, but anyways, this is one of his quotes. So he, he's talking about how he's basically talking about how the Catholic Church was sort of encouraging the sin of masturbation by, you know, requiring all the clergy to be celibate and everything. So as he states, Nature never lets up. We're all driven to the secret sin. To say it crudely, but honestly, if it doesn't go into a woman, it goes into your shirt. <laughs> oh, Martin Luther. <laughs> That's great. So people should Classic go check out. Classic Martin. Yeah, go check out that episode on Martin Luther's potty mouth because it's really good. 
So fast forward back to the 19th century, and according to the Cultural Encyclopedia of the Body, uh, in some circles, also on top of that, girls were not allowed to even ride bikes or horses for fear that this would simulate masturbation. And boys, they, they further made uh, special pants that were designed to prevent them from touching their genitals through the pockets. <laughs> no pocket pool for them. Uh, and then on the extreme end, of course, the they could be prescribed or a doctor could recommend chastity belts that sort of thing. And then we're going to talk about some more fun quotes because... Uh, why Why did everyone think this was bad? Because it, is it like not... Is it in the Bible or something? No, I mean, not really, actually. There's... It comes from the... Um, and this... We'll get into this uh, for on Mark, uh, Mark Twain's these some thoughts on the science of Onanism, but there was that... Mm. Whatever his name was, Onan something uh, in the Bible in the Old Testament where he was supposed to impregnate the... Um, his brother, his dead brother. So he's supposed to impregnate her former yes, wife. he had a duty, right? Yeah. And so instead he just slept with her. And then instead of, you know, uh, you know, getting her pregnant, he would just pull out and then, you know, spill his wow. seed on the floor or whatever. I was dirty sometimes. Yeah, totally. And this was spill actually, we're going to cover this in the origin of everyday things, but actually this was like the most popular method of birth control through most of history. And it's extremely effective. And we're going to get into how people always, whenever we mention it, everyone's like, oh, you shouldn't recommend that because it's not effective. No, no, it absolutely is effective. Uh, and, and for, we'll get into it. I was it. having this, dis- we've, We've done a video about this. I was having a discussion with someone the other day about this. And they were like, well, you know, because of birth control becoming a big thing in, was it the 1950s and stuff with the yeah. pill? And yeah. uh, uh, wait, I hang on. I think their argument, w- the argument with the pill, which does make sense, is uh, it gave women control. Yeah. Whereas before it was pretty much only the man had control. Yeah, you just had to trust the guy that he would do that. Um, yeah. That's the same with uh, uh, prostitutes and everything. That's how they would keep from getting pregnant. Those are the most popular. And some of the lowest birth rates are coincide with when that was the most popular method of, of birth control. And um, we'll get into just how you'll be shocked. Or people, you won't be because you already know this. But um, yeah, no, people I'm will really, be shocked. I'm really shocked. I'm incredibly knowledgeable. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's, uh, and how effective. So anyways... But the problem with that story from the Bible is that the 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 thing that it seemed God was getting angry about was not so much the the pulling out and clearly he wasn't really masturbating in this story. Uh, it was more that he was not getting his his you know dead brother's wife pregnant as he was supposed to be doing. He was just sleeping with her, um, and so he Come was. Come on, Nolan. you had one job. Yeah, but this has been, of course, uh, interpreted or it was uh, interpreted as being uh, showing why a masturbation was. And I think with the Catholic Church, isn't it like you're not supposed to even, or at least it used to be. Some circles, you're not even supposed to like use condoms or whatever, or whatever, like no birth control. Oh, that's or something right. yeah, like that's that. So probably all. Right. I think I don't know that that's so much the case anymore, but um, I really don't know. So people. Well, can, I imagine not, but I, yeah, I think, but one would like, think. Yeah. Don't we have a cool pope now? Isn't there a cool pope? Yeah, I think that's the general. He's probably consensus. into condoms. Well, yeah. like he's all he's all poor and stuff, and generally yeah. like quite chill. Um, yeah. Whereas the previous guy seemed like a bit. Or was it the guy before that? Who was the guy with all the weird shoes and the gold hats and stuff? Who was like a bit more yeah. traditional? See, I don't know. I, we, I actually John tried Paul to. Dude? And then like, I had a series at one point. I had an author who was uh, pretty good. And um, so I was like, all right, here's what I want to do. I want to do a, a, an article on every single pope. Like, let's just start from Ooh. the beginning and go through it. And this turned out to be an effort in futility because it turns out uh, it's just not documented well or like even like some of the like who was the you know this or that pope and like nobody knows like a lot of it for until more modern times actually um so uh, we we abandoned I that to do quite something quickly. about ancient egypt like that going to yeah. all the ancient egyptian people and people are like we don't even know if these are the same person or not <laughs> yeah, exactly yeah so that was the difficulty there were some good ones that come out of that like the the pope who wrote the romance novel like he was quite the uh you know oh, yeah that was good he was he, he was uh, kind of a funny one because he was young like, as well right 
I thought it was the guy who wrote the romance novel and had the like sketchy past, and then he somehow yeah. like skipped a few things to become yeah, the yeah. pope. Yeah, he had a really weird yeah. path to it because he was like total like he had a super sketchy path for a pope. I mean, he's just more common, like, you know, sleep, sleeping with all sorts of women and like all this. And then he writing like a really popular romance novel, among other like an erotic literature and this. And then like yeah. later he just sort of I don't remember. It was a weird progression to him actually getting elected like a random thing as pope or appointed, maybe I should say. Have you seen that show, The Young Pope with Jude Law? It's about it's recent. It's relatively recent. I fear that it's HBO, but I'm not sure. Um, where Jude Law plays like he's this bad dude and he becomes elected Pope somehow. And no, no, he gets it. up to all this shifty stuff. It's quite good. Yeah. Um, it's quite good. I'm sure it'd yeah. be like quite offensive to, to the Catholic religion. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I enjoyed it. Yeah. I'm, I'm not yeah. Catholic, so there's that. <laughs> um, so let's get back oh. to Mark Twain. Yeah, let's get on. We were talking Mark about Mark Twain's, stuff. he's got uh, to a lecture he gave on the Stomach Club or to the Stomach Club in 1879, and it was, uh, as noted there, or previously, some thoughts on the science of onanism. And uh, so he's just... Oh my God, uh, is this all one quote that I have to read? Oh no, it's really long. There's a couple of really long ones. And this oh, is just him lecturing yeah. <laughs> on... He's just lecturing on masturbation. That, you know, at the time, it was a very taboo subject, as you can see from these examples. Uh, but uh, so he was just making fun of the, this show. Yeah, he was <laughs> making fun of the whole thing here. And it's pretty entertaining. Shall I do it? You ready? Do it. Do it. <clears throat> Homer, in the second book of the Iliad, says, With fine enthusiasm, give me masturbation or give me death. Caesar, in his commentary, says, To the lonely, it is company. To the forsaken, it is a friend. To the aged and to the impotent, it is a benefactor. They that are penniless are yet rich, in that they still have this majestic diversion. In another place, this experienced observer has said, There are times when I prefer it to sodomy. Robinson Crusoe says, I cannot describe what I owe to this gentle art. Queen Elizabeth said, it is the bulwark of virginity. Setaweo, the Zulu hero, remarked, a jack in the hand is worth two in the bush. The immortal Franklin has said, masturbation is the best policy. Michelangelo said to Pope Julius II, self-negation is noble, self-culture beneficent. Uh, beneficent. Is that the right, how do you say it? Beneficient? Beneficent? Sure. Who knows? It. Who cares? Self-possession is manly, but to the truly great and inspiring soul, they are poor and tame compared with self-abuse. Brigham Young, an expert of incontestable authority, said, As compared with the other thing, it is the difference between the lightning bug and the lightning. Solomon said, There is nothing to recommend it, but its cheapness. Galen said, it is shameful to degrade to such bestial uses that grant that grand limb, that formidable member, which we votaries of the sci of science dub the major maxillary when they dub it at all, which is seldom. It would be better to amputate the os frontis than to put it to such use. It continues. Mr. Darwin was grieved to feel obliged to give up his theory that the monkey was the connecting link between man and the lower animals. I think he was too hasty. The monkey is the only animal except man that practices this science. Hence, he is our brother. There is a bond of sympathy and relationship between us. Give this ingenious animal an audience of the proper kind and he will straight away put aside his other affairs and take a wet and you will see by his contortions and his ecstatic expression that he takes an intelligence and human interest in his performance. Yeah, so then he goes on and on, and I, I, I cut it out. But then he concludes with, 
Of all the various kinds of sexual intercourse, this has the least to recommend it. As an amusement, it is too fleeting. As an occupation, too wearing. As a public exhibition, there is no money in it. <laughs> He's never met cab girls, has he? <laughs> oh, it is unsuited to the drawing room. And in the most cultured society, it has long been banished. It has, at last, in our day of progress and improvement, been degraded to brotherhood. Uh, with flatulence among the best breads, these two acts are now indulged in only private, though by consent of the whole company. When only males are present, it is still <laughs> permissible in good society to remove the embargo on the fundamental size. So, in concluding, I say, if you must gamble away your life sexually, don't play alone hands too much. When you feel a revolutionary uprising in your system, get your Vendome column down some other way. Don't jerk it down. I'm so confused as to what he's saying. Is he saying having a good or bad it seems he kind of goes back and forth a little bit but the, the general but thing sarcasm, is he's, right? he's sarcasm like here it's bad um but yeah just yeah it was kind of a, a lecture he gave though so yeah uh, no surprise in this this era was when chastity belts sort of had their heyday and then sort of went away and then just more recently have made a resurgence and probably probably more hmm. popular today than ever uh before i would so. say so i mean because before i feel like any sort of uh Anything sexual that is outside mm. of the norm is now more than ever because yeah. one. Well, maybe not more than who are, more. Maybe not more than ever because I would say like you know when you're talking like Roman times and it wasn't until like they had that period where even like well, the church dude, we, would vilify everything sexual. But before that, it was people were more sort of like uh, free. And then nowadays, uh, I don't yeah. know. I think if you're into something these days, you can find other people who are yeah. into that because yeah. of the internet. Whereas yeah, yeah, even in Roman times, a lot of stuff I'm sure was acceptable, and yeah. but I'm sure some stuff like uh, societally, I mean, but some stuff wasn't. Now with the internet, it's like one, there's probably an app for that, and yeah. two, you could buy whatever you want on the internet, and it arrives in an unmarked brown box, <laughs> for sure. Um, yeah, I don't know, but I, also the Romans were pretty crazy, so <laughs> yeah, yeah. So the uh, bill now, yeah, the bill, uh, the bill. We don't have a sponsor. So, we well, we have, do. We are. We'll go with, um, I don't know, what side projects? I saw that uh, the other day for the first time. When did you start that one? Uh, this month, uh, three weeks ago, I think. It was basically, a, I've got a channel called Mega Projects, which is about mega projects. Mm -hmm. uh, obviously, that's how I always advertise it. It's yeah. mm, creative. Um, and a lot of people were suggesting things in the comments that didn't really work for a whole Mega Projects video. So I was like, cool, that'll go on a list or something. So I do like little lists of things that weren't quite mega enough and it's called side projects. You can subscribe to it if you want to. And if you don't yeah. want to, that's also totally fine. I know yeah. I have a lot of channels. What you yeah. should definitely subscribe to, Highlight History. Highlight History. It's it's uh, it's an We're up and comer. back on the wagon. Yeah. yeah. And it's rising fast. Back on the wagon with that. It's like yeah. the way I describe it. I don't know. I wrote an ad copy for it the other day. And I was like, it's kind of like Today I Found Out, but just more history-ish. And more, um, the, the video production is also a little more documentary style, a little bit, I would say. Yeah, it's a little bit more fancy. Yeah, it's a little more fancy. Not like super fancy, because that would be too expensive, but um, it is yeah, more fancy. Fancy videos, fancy, expensive. But yeah, it gets well, more. What's Fact Quickie? Fact Quickie is the... Uh, well, the, go the, subscribe to Highlight History. What's Fact Quickie? Fact Quickie is the one you made fun of me for calling that, because you're like, dude, I remember yeah, your dude. email, you were like, dude, you're going to be known as the Quickie guy. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, I was like, I was wondering if maybe that's just a British expression, but then you were like, no, no, no. I thought you said that as well. 
I kind of thought that was funny. So, um, but yeah, so that that one um, is she going to be? That You're one also actually... the man who called the brain feature appetizer the main course. Bill, <laughs> <laughs> I think we should take away your naming privileges. <laughs> no, we totally should. Today, I found out it's like the worst name of anything ever. I, I name everything horribly. That's like a it's like a thing. But um, but you love it at the time. No, I do. I do actually. Um, yeah, fact quickie is going to be a condensed today. I found out, and we have, the channel's already up, but it's not like what you see there is not going to be what it is. It's just condensed. I've already got I don't know. I got a ton of episodes. I just got to actually have them produced and everything. But um, so they it's just condensed today. I found out. So if we might have a fifteen minute, it's going to be every video is going to be three to five minutes. So no matter what the topic, and uh, it'll just be compressed to that. So the, a very quick version because a lot of people request that. And then um, yeah, I don't know. I got some others like Ancient Marvels is one that I'm gonna do uh, coming up, and uh, which I couldn't be I couldn't believe that name wasn't taken. Ancient Marvels. That's actually I feel like it's a good name. Is it not like I feel like there's like a, a documentary or is that's that, what that's I thought. Aliens? That's what that's what I thought. But then when I was googling around, no one and no one on YouTube, but also it wasn't really coming up anywhere. So I was like, hey, I originally wanted to call mega projects, mega structures. And apparently oh. there was a huge documentary series from Discovery in like the early 2000s or something called Megastructures. And I was like, oh God, I got to read all my graphics. Yeah. Because yeah. I was like, I'm fairly sure like Megastructures is a, is a word in the dictionary. So it's not yeah. going to be, but I'm like, I don't want to get in trouble with Discovery. So. Well, and major uh, mega projects actually opens it up a little bit. You can like right? a little bit more. So that's better. Exactly. And yeah. we've done all this awesome. I was so pleased. We did a video all about the EU, like the founding of the EU. Like, mm-hmm. arguably, certainly the most important political institution in Europe. And I was mm-hmm. like, this is so cool. This is a great mega project. And I was yeah. super pleased with the video. And it's now like half as many people watched it. <laughs> so oh. It's like, yeah, people just want to hear about big boats. And yeah. I'm like, Come on, I, I want to do stuff like this. Yeah, you want to diversify. That's one of the weaknesses of today I found out versus like a lot of other channels because it's so broad. That it's like when and when you when you're putting out a video every day, two people pick and choose, which is really bad for the algorithm because it's like mm. I will watch one every seven days because this one is my interest and the others are not. Uh, and when it, when you hit the one that I find interesting, it's just really bad algorithmically and just posting every day like that. So uh, sort of like that. People ask why I do different channels for different things. Yeah, that's that's, that's the reason. <laughs> and it does so much better, like like mega projects and stuff. You look like and if you post less often and stuff like that, that also helps. Um, but yeah, that's specific because then it gets everyone who's interested in that. And then they click on like every single one, which is really good for the algorithm um, and everything. And they probably have better watch through rates than the general populace, you know, who might be like, oh, I'll click that one. And then like, ah, no, this one's not interesting me in like three minutes. So I'll move on then. But yeah, that's it. Today I found out it's way too broad. Well, fact wiki, highlight fact wiki. history, yeah. side projects. We are we are making some stuff. Doing it. Um, that Ancient Marvels actually, because I actually wanted to do a... Um, a music one because that's I was almost like a music music major and all that. But uh, that one I put up a poll on what channels to do next, and Ancient Marvels just dominated. It was like eighty percent. It was crazy. I don't, I don't know, like fifty thousand votes or whatever it was. Um, it just dominated because, like, uh, yeah, of course, like history is just. I mean, yeah. yeah, people love history. People love Marvels. I did I'm a gonna, video. I think it was. E- I think it was even called like Five Ancient Marvels that people forgot. Yeah. And I'm like, yeah, that video did well. Of course it did. Yeah, of course it did. <laughs> exactly. Um, so yeah, I am still going to do the music one though, just because I just think that one's more interesting to me. But um, Dude, yeah. you're going to get absolutely destroyed by copyright claims, though. Yeah, that's the that's. But I'll work around it. It's like <laughs> you've talked about doing a, a film one, and I'm like, D- 
dude. And people oh, yeah. often suggest, like, why don't you do one about pop culture Flick. or something? You can watch all these movies you've never seen. I'm like, because I like making money, to be honest. Because yeah, Flick I don't want Warner Brothers to take all my money when I make a video about a Warner Brothers movie. Yeah, that was actually, Flick Facts was actually, years ago, I did a test one on that. And it did really well for, I mean, it was a brand new channel, no promotion, anything. And it still got, I don't know, like 10,000 views or something, which is crazy for like brand new, no promotion. Was this the Terminator just, video? Yeah. So I do that. Yeah, I feel like I even said And it that. got like three copyright dings and none of them were legitimate. Not a single one, but I couldn't argue them because you, you just say, oh no, that's not legitimate. That's clearly fair use. Uh, and like in every case it was very carefully. Uh, and in every case, the person the, just rejected it because they can. They just say, like, nah. Yeah, no, we're, it's we're, like, take me to court. What are you going to do? Yeah, no, and you're obviously not going to do that. Um, I, when you do get big, I think you can start, like CinemaSins, I believe, has like a whole like legal team that like they throw at the problem. This, um, is, this is true, and this is what you should do. Yeah. But I don't want to be running a law firm. I want to be exactly. making videos. No, and this is why <laughs> so I've I never... No interest in this. I have. I will produ- uh, do the, the, the flick facts. I will jump jump on that at some point, but it's why it's always sort of been on the back burner. Like every time there's time for something, like, eh... I don't want to mess with that right now because it is just going to be like a nightmare of like every single video I was going to get dinged. Yeah, so you know what's to... definitely out of copyright? The pyramids. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, and anyways, we, that's, that was the longest uh, ad spot in the world. Um, so, well, yeah, it's for our own stuff. We're extra motivated. Yeah, yeah. we pay well. Um, so the main course, <laughs> um, main course today. So in pot, and again, in sort of popular entertainment, you often have this this idea of like this person being from modern times going back to medieval wait, times. Wait, is this wait? We haven't done the main part yet. No. Oh. Okay. <laughs> We're forty minutes in, dude. This will be our longest one because this one actually is pretty long from here. We, that was the quickest part we already did. Yeah, you know, this is like when you have the chicken wings as an appetizer. You're already full by the time the main course comes. Totally. This is like the breadsticks at Olive Garden. Yeah. So you have that perception that you get transported back in time to medieval times, and then the people, the English speaker just talks English to everyone, right? And maybe they have a little different accent or something like that, but everyone can speak. But could you actually, if you went back to medieval times, could you actually speak to people back there in the in medieval times? And again, to... Uh, to no, I don't reckon. Well, I mean, it, yeah, you're, you're pretty much right. I guess but it depends. It depends. So the, it goes from the 5th to the 15th century. So that's a pretty big gap. That's typically when most people would say medieval I times mean, is. Dude, you read like a Charles Dickens book or whatever from 100 years, 100 something years ago. And you're like, what is he talking about? <laughs> One is his use of like punctuation is a mystery. And then there's words and sentences that are just like, what? And that was way shorter time ago. See, I like, um, if you ever go read like Ben Franklin's autobiography, I love the way he writes. And he'll have these like page long sentences. It's like one sentence, but it's a full yeah. page long. And I actually really like it in the way he talks. And he, his, his autobiography is super entertaining um, and hilarious. Like he's got that one point where he's talking about why men should always sleep with older women. Like as a thing, and he's like arguing oh, for like old women. Come up in a video. It's a really, yeah. yeah, it's a really funny like rant he goes on. And then he has this rant about why women should be educated, and he's like, for the people who say no, women can't be educated, whatever. You have like moral issue with it, but like throw that out. He's like, you know who are fun to talk to is educated women. You know who are not fun to talk to is not educated women. And so this is sort of his argument. And he has this whole thing about older educated women are like the the ones to go for. It's really kind of a funny, and it's so funny because this is like this you know, genius of like one of the geniuses in human history. Right. And it's just so weird to like see his thoughts and his joke and his sense of humor. Like he definitely had an awesome sense of humor. Um, he was even, he belonged to that one uh, club that would go in caves. Uh, they would go in caves and just like, it was like a debauchery club, like the hellfire club, I think it was. And uh, they would just oh, go, yeah. it was really funny. And that's, that was kind of a funny one. Um, we did a video on that at some point, but. Um, was this the one with the British guy? 
the, the, yeah, there was in, some. It was some like British was when he was in the UK. Yeah, something. Hey, it was, I, I think it was called the Hellfire Club or something like that. And um, yeah, it was pretty funny. Feels right. Yeah, um, you can still, I think, go visit the the caves of that one. I think it's like a tourist thing now. But um, in any event, so we're gonna look at the question of can you speak English to people in medieval times and whether you can or can't. And I already sort of spoiled a little bit. You can't really. But when could you? How far back could you go? And then speak English and be able to be understood and whatnot. So, and this one actually, it's it's more than just the words, the vocabulary and stuff, as we'll get into here in a bit. So, to to just to, to begin, we're gonna do the normal rant about grammar Nazis, uh, which that dictionary episode we did, which the whole thing was just ranting about that, um, is one of our most popular podcast episodes somehow, which was shocking. Mm. Um, yeah. I think it was number really two. Like what? It was number two on the list, and it's literally. I think we just titled it like something about the dictionary. I don't remember. Well, you know, dictionaries are extremely popular and everyone's interested in them. I read, <laughs> I read it every day. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So words and stuff. So language evolves really rapidly, contrary to what uh, many a grammar Nazi would wish. And we're going back to like Cicero. So the Roman orator Cicero. So pretty much as long as there has been grammar of any sorts, people complained about it changing. So Roman orator Cicero, like he scorned changes, uh, such things as punctuation, when punctuation started to be introduced around that time. And so he was mocking this and he said, when and how long to pause to quote, ought not, ought to be determined not by a stroke interposed by a copyist, by the constraint of the rhythm. I fundamentally, yeah. I, I fully disagree, dude. Like yeah. <laughs> as someone who reads stuff for yeah. a living, it's uh, having the comma in the right place. It's really handy. <laughs> yeah. And this was the thing is back then, you couldn't just take a text, like a speech, like in this in this time, and read it. Like you couldn't just pick it up and read it to an audience, like you're reading stuff like right now. Like you can't. It's not possible. You had to study it because there's no. Because there's the thing. You're not just. You don't just not have punctuation. You don't have spaces between words either. It's just all one run-on thing. No right. punctuation. No spaces. And that's it. I kind um, of wish you'd so put he, something in here as an example of that for me to try and attempt. <laughs> oh, I got one for you. Oh, I didn't you actually put it in, but I do have one. Yeah, I mean, it won't maybe won't come across uh, to people, but um, well, pay, can you paste it in? I'll have a crack at it. Yeah, uh, embarrass myself because I think I'm quite a good sight reader these days. Yeah, yeah, here it is. Oh, and everything's capitalized. There was no lowercase, so you didn't oh, even great. have that. Yeah, that'll be um, extra handy. I love reading. Yeah, so I'm gonna paste Do I have it to in read it as if they're shouting. There you go. Yeah. In the beginning, there was no punctuation, lowercase letters, or even spaces between words. The real so was no grammatical way of distinguishing when an idea had finished and a new one begin, begun. I think that should be began. It didn't help that the idea of standardized spelling was also... Oh yeah, that's also not a thing. Not a thing, <laughs> at yeah. least. Oh, great. So, yeah, you included that as well. At least not as we would think of it. Uh, ad swear left to muddle their way, th and uh, as others were left to muddle the way through any text as best they could, unsurprisingly, understanding what a particular work was actually saying on the first read through was a pretty was pretty unwell heard of at the time. That was, not, that was not bad. That was not bad for a wall of capital letters that is all together. Although you did, you, only, can, you did get the spelling all correct. Yeah, yeah. Except you for can, began you, and begun, unless I was wrong about that. It was, yeah, yeah, it was quite a lot right, going but, on in um, my brain. 
But yeah, so imagine it's all different spellings. It's just sort of, and then imagine, like, you couldn't just get up and give a speech, like a really stirring speech as these, like, Romans, that was like a thing. They would give up and give these stirring speeches. You couldn't do it just by reading. Like, you, you just couldn't right. do it. So you had that to was... practice and you had to get yeah. it. And yeah, it was like a, it was an art and a, and a skill that you had to practice a lot. And so, but yeah, so then punctuation gets introduced to sort of start to help this a little bit. And, and Cicero didn't care for that at all. He was like, you, you know, in my day, we didn't need no punctuation. Um, so yeah, so it wasn't, it turns out until approximately the seventh and eighth centuries, I think is um, on this one, we are talking spaces between words is the seventh and eighth centuries. And it was thought to be by Irish and Scottish monks who were really tired of wrestling with um, unfamiliar Latin words and whatnot. So they, so they started introducing spaces between the words when they would figure it out just to make it easier to read um, things. Because you can imagine that, like you've come across a word you don't even know, and then there's no uh, spaces between anything and not standardized spelling. And like this, it's just like, you know, that would be really hard to translate and whatnot. So it was also around the end of the 8th century that Charlemagne helped introduce lowercase letters through the monk Alcuin, uh, who he asked to develop a unified alphabet, and that included these lowercase letters. So that's when uh, lowercase letters started to become a thing. So when sort of summing up the, the sort of evolution of language and everyone constantly groaning about it. So Betty Berner of the Linguist Society of America, she sums up. The speech patterns of young people tend to grate on the ears of adults because they're unfamiliar. Also, new words and phrases are used in spoken or informal language sooner than in formal written language, so it's true that the phrases you may hear a teenager use may not yet be appropriate for business letters, but that doesn't need their worst, just newer. I always keep this in mind because I hear like new phrases and stuff and I'm like, oh, that's a bit tiresome. But then I check myself before I wreck myself because... Yeah. Yeah, you don't like, want to be a you don't want to be a Nazi yeah. about this stuff. Like no. the one recently that I that I hear people saying is like to spill tea. You familiar with this? No, I'm not. To spill the tea means to like uh to gossip about someone. Not not quite, but no. like if we were talking smack about someone and I was like, Yeah, but did you hear they did this? Oh <laughs> we were spilling the tea. Um no, and right, then there but- was another one. Uh, and to bring receipts means, uh, okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. See, this is good. I don't, look at us. No, I don't know this aged. Uh, um, Okay, boomer. Uh, <laughs> um, it means to have evidence to back it up. So like maybe you have like some video of them doing something yeah. or something they posted on their Instagram or like their DMs or something. And yeah. I'm like, all right. Yeah. We're going to have so an episode. I'm like, cool. Whatever. Yeah. We're going to have an episode on text messaging. And why text messaging is like a major language revolution and everyone should embrace uh, the the stuff that everyone hates. Uh, but it's happened so rapidly that, you know, people hate it extra much. But um, yeah, we're going to have a whole episode on it because it's super fascinating, uh, the the whole, and it's actually really sort of on the evolution of language, which we're covering, you know, partially right here, but um, we're going to cover it in more depth. All there. the dictionary and, uh, episode people are going to love this. Yeah, this we're going to get another it. big episode, yeah. <laughs> That's the thing. This was one of the most interesting ones we have ever produced, like articles in the history. I have 5,000 or whatever articles on Today I Found Out, and like 2,000 videos or whatever. This one, and it just bombed on YouTube. Even on a reposting, I think I was like, no, everyone should watch this. And it bombed the second time too. And uh, just nobody cared. And I was like, we, this is like insanely fascinating, but we're going to force it down people's throat on the podcast because we can do that and it's going to be good. I think the podcast actually platform is a little better for this particular one because I think it was also the problem was it was so long. Like even in even in mm. video form, it was like 30 minutes or something like that. So, okay, boom. yeah. So, yeah. So we're going to get <laughs> over to the radio form. Yeah. Yeah. We're going to go to the, um, or I should mention about accents. 
So not only do you have language evolving rapidly at time, you also have accents uh, changing over time. So pertinent at the topic at hand. So I think we've mentioned this before on like that episode of the um, the pirate, the, that famous female pirate who was like the most successful pirate of all time by far. And then she sort of got to retire and like got pardoned. And I think she became like a some sort of noble woman or something just because they couldn't stop her. So they just made her a noble woman and pardoned her. Um, but anyways, so the if you travel back to Shakespearean times, and listen to the bard speak. Most people think of like the received pronunciation, like the really ultra, you know, high end, you know, British accent or whatever. But in fact, he probably talked more like the Pirates of the Caribbean pirates mm. and whatnot. So that's just sort of an example of uh, the accents change over time. So that's going to be an issue when looking at talking back. And we'll get into my, it's actually even more of an issue than you might think. But even like today, if you, there's still places in Britain or, or the UK where you can go and if the people talk with their native accent in English, but like they're native and don't try to make it sound more Englishy, even most English speakers wouldn't be able to understand them. Oh, dude, um, 100%. Like I don't understand yeah. what people from the north are, are saying yeah. most of the time. And, no, I mean, that's yeah, kind of an exaggeration, but there are all definitely places where it's like, what well, and, are you saying? And those people know how to switch their speech to be more Englishy. But they are speaking English, just, you know, it's like little different dialects and things like that. So um, so all this is a bit of a problem for, for going back. And the other huge problem, so say you, say, you, say you do invent the time machine that is never covered. I don't think there's any popular media I've ever seen it covered on. I'm, maybe there's a book or something somewhere. If you invent a time machine, it needs to be a spaceship. It absolutely has to be a spaceship. So we're just going to cover this because I think it's kind of fascinating. The Earth... Orbiting around the sun at six, 66,600 miles per hour. Is that how fast we're moving there? And the Earth itself is rotating on its axis 1,070 miles per hour. And so there's, you know, for kilometers, what do you, is it like, I don't know, 1.5 times that? Should we get the kilometers per hour? I, dude, I don't know. I don't know. Something it's, like that. It, so it's just, really fast. It's, it's really fast. It's really fast. That's the point. And the whole solar system uh, is orbiting around the Milky Way at 560,000 miles per hour. On top of that, the galaxy, our galaxy, is hurtling through space relative to our local group of galaxies at about 670,000 miles per hour. Super fast. So all this this motion is taking place. So even if you just go with that 66,600 mile per hour orbiting around the sun, that's the only one we're accounting for, not even all the other stuff that's super fast. That is 100,000 feet per second or 19 miles per second. So whatever that is, like, you know, 25 or 30 kilometers per second um, is how fast. So if you go back, and so for reference here, the boundary to space is about 62 miles. So if you go back just a few seconds and you're on the surface of the planet on the opposite side of its rotating, you will be in space, even just three seconds uh, officially Dude, considered even to worse, be in space. Th- yeah. On the other hand, you could be like several miles inside the planet. Yeah, exactly. If you're if you're on so and but then when you you think that and that's just that one metric. If you go all that relative motion that's happening, you're definitely getting going. You're going to be in space if you just go back like just a couple oh, seconds. Yeah, sure. uh, and so Dude, and if you're going seconds, back fractionally yeah. seconds. Yeah, exactly. And if you go back to medieval times, you're very far away from you're gonna Earth. Have to have a, you're going to have to. Yeah, your spaceship is going to have to take you far. It's going to have to be fast and you have to have good supplies and all that and whatnot. So and I think they could deal with this in popular. Because, yeah. Okay popular cinema they could just say oh the the time machine works more like you're like you know some sort of like wormhole or something and so you can calibrate it to always take you to the exact space uh where yeah the or like it anchors itself to something yeah it's like they could cover it, but they never no one ever mentions it it could just be like a couple sentences uh, of, of line that would just fix sci-fi the problem would deal with this like some hard sci-fi books you know like they're not going to yeah. mention it in like back to the yeah. future but like in yeah. books where it goes into a bit more depth they do discuss this kind of stuff See, I've never, I've never come across it mentioned. I'm sure there is some, but it's because it, I can't be the only one who 
uh, gets annoyed by that. I feel like the anchoring thing has been mentioned in some book where it's like you need an object that was present throughout time to like anchor it. The, the, oh, yeah. the time, dude. This is all so fictional. It yeah. doesn't really matter. Yeah, yeah. Just although you know, good reference point for. Although, look, if you've invented a time machine, you've probably thought this through because you're real smart. Yeah. yeah, we should hope so. And but this this at least discussion of it helps make this ensure that this will be the longest episode we've ever produced because we're not even halfway through yet. Uh, so after so you invent the time machine and you do a quick stop to kill baby Hitler or bring Mr. Rogers back to teach his parents better parenting and, you know, life lessons. Um, Wait, to teach Mr. Kids. Rogers? Mr. Rogers is only the, like, the greatest saint of all time. Oh, I know who he is, but, like, how yeah. do you bring him back? Well, you go back in time a little bit, grab him, take him back to go oh, teach you mean baby take Hitler's back to, parents. Like, Hitler, I thought, because I thought, because I'd no. never heard of Mr. Rogers getting hit by a bus or something, so we're not going back in no, time no, to save no. his life. We're just going back You're to grabbing take him back Mr. To Rogers. Well, I'd grab to, to teach his parents some life, you know, some some good, uh, Dude, you know, love is, everybody, no. accept everybody. Let's just type kill of things, and No then, one minds. It's okay. But killing Hitler doesn't yeah, actually work. The, yeah, you got to kill them all. And then if you're, you know, at the same time that that, that uh, eugenics thing was so popular the world over, like even like, you know, Churchill and all these were quite in support until the Nazis kind of killed that to everyone was like, oh, wait a minute. They took it to the logical extreme uh, that we're all kind of in support of, but they took it like to a whole nother level. And then, and then the popularity of, you know, eugenics and stuff died out rapidly. Uh, well, that, the Nazis so, like, were also operating on a very flawed model of not that I'm defending yeah, they, they, eugenics in any way, but the Nazis no. no, not extreme, wrong. Yeah, yeah, because yeah. they weren't That's, eliminating. I mean, yes, they were eliminating um, people who had disabilities and potentially genetic yeah, yeah. disabilities, but they were also eliminating homosexuals. And it's like, yeah, that's not genetic. They weren't going to reproduce anyway, or yeah. Jews, or gypsies, or Slavs. And it's like, well, these weren't. You know, this was the Nazis' ideal of an Aryan race, which is not exactly what eugenics would argue for from a scientific perspective. Again, not defending eugenics, just yeah. extra on Nazi interpretation of eugenics. Oh, yeah. And just the mention of eugenics is um, we did that. Or I, I don't think we've ever made it into a video, but I did an article on it, the history of eugenics. And it's quite fascinating. You, I mean, you can... And everyone from like the greatest person in history, besides Mr. Rogers, uh, uh, Teddy Roosevelt, who we've covered so much, even he was like, yeah, that eugenics, like that, you know, we, bad people shouldn't be allowed to reproduce. And like, this was just the thing kind of most everybody thought mm. up until the Nazis. And then everyone was like, wait a minute, let's, let's backtrack a little bit on that. So, but anyways, in the comments of that one, which is just covering the history, everyone was like, oh, you know, like raging about that. We were even talking about eugenics, like in the comments and stuff. It was like, well, it's a bit weird when you can't have a discussion about something. Yeah. Yeah. And can't just cover the history, which is super fascinating. I, people took issue with the thing that I said, it was fascinating. The Nazis I mean, are fascinating. The Nazis it doesn't mean I'm supporting them. It like, yeah. <laughs> it's like the genocide is fascinating. Like yeah. the, that fascinating doesn't imply good. It's, you know, no. And seemingly like, like every surprise. woman, on the, it can be bad. It can be good. Yeah. Seemingly every woman on the planet loves serial killer, like drama or like uh, podcasts and like this. And it doesn't, you know, they're fascinated, but it's not like, you know, not like supporting it or whatever. Wait, they're not supporting it? <laughs> yeah, no. The, the, the use of the word fascinating really triggered many people on that one. Oh, someone got triggered the other day um, from, oh, what was it? Uh, you wrote in or whoever wrote it wrote oh, no. that Ireland joined the UK. And they <laughs> yeah. were like, we didn't join. You forced us into it. And I'm like, join doesn't imply that we didn't. Yeah. It's just joined. Yeah, it doesn't it apply. Means two things yeah. joined together. <laughs> like, what are you talking about? 
And it was like throwing. Yeah, and you can't. And then I'm like, we're not going to do a, a big aside on that video on like because it was about something else on just like what the the intricacies of Ireland joining the UK. Like um, that yeah. wasn't the topic. And that, I mean, that could be a good other video about things. But um, um, so where where are we anyway? So we're going back in time. All right. So you've invented the time machine. You're going back. How far did you go back? And it turns out. Oh my God! What are we talking far about? Is, I'm so lost. <laughs> on, on how far back in time you could go oh, and about still speak English, English to people yeah, and still sorry. talk. And it is is not not that far from. If you can speak German and Did Dutch, we just do like too. ten minutes on eugenics? What is going on? <laughs> if you can do, it's okay. The next podcast episode is super short. Um, okay. the, if you can if you can speak German or Dutch, um, then you're going to do a lot better. Like a lot better. Like if you can speak German, Dutch, and English, you can read a lot of old English um, really well. Um, you're still not going to be able to speak to people though for reasons we're going to get into. Um, even if you could read what they're what if they wrote it, which is also a problem, which we're going to do. Um, we're going to get into all this. So how did English develop? So we can start if we're going to go back to like the fifth century. So we have, uh, so a lot of English developed at the series of invasions was sort of the product of it, of Germanic tribes known as the Angles, Jutes, and Saxons around the fifth and sixth century. So right at the beginning of this medieval times. And there's also a smattering of Latin kind of in, in the early going. And that gave us most of what is old English. Um, so if you go, if you want to look back at a Connecticut Yankee and King Arthur's Court, so one of the popular literatures where someone does go back to this time in King Arthur's time, supposedly, well, at least supposedly when King Arthur lived. Uh, yes, it is. And so sixth century, that's around when this is. So this is kind of this early period and whatnot. And so, um, so looking at like some actual English in the ballpark of this period. So we're going to go to the ninth century uh, in the Anglo-Saxon Chronicles uh, as the following. Mm. And note here for when you're pronouncing it's going to make a lot more sense if you train, if you make uh, the SC makes the SH sound in this, this next part that helps make it a little more sensical. Brighteen England ist etta hund miler lang and twa hund miler brads and her sins on pam ignans fief gepodu ashlich brit. Oh, remember? Tals, the, S, uh, the SC makes the uh, sh sound. So oh, then you'll, you'll get this one will make more sense. This part will make a lot more sense if you if you make the SC make the SH sound. English, British, Scottish, what? Pittish and I was wondering if you would know that Eden. one because I had never heard of this one. So the, the in the modern English it, trans, it translates to the islands. Britain is eight hundred miles long and two hundred miles broad, and there are in the island five nations. English, Welsh, Scottish, Pictish, and Latin. No, don't know it. Don't know Pictish. I didn't know if that was something like covered in English history or something. But I know the Picts, um, but I don't know anything about them. Oh, I didn't. I had never Sorry. even heard of them at all. Yeah, all the others are familiar, of course. But um, I've never heard of the Welsh. If you look at it, like, and if if you kind of like, <laughs> uh, if you look at sort of, and you kind of look at the text, it's not like completely a foreign language. And if you can speak German or Dutch um, as well, you're going to do even better. But you're not gonna you're not gonna be able to talk like even forget about accents and dia and all that sort of and you know you're you're not gonna be able to talk to anyone. But I mean at this point about fifty percent of the core of modern English was in place. So I mean if you didn't have the accent different stuff like that, you might be able to pick out words here and there to get by. Um, so then the Vikings would come along a few hundred years and uh, around the eighth century and they would lend a lot of words to Old English um, from Old Norse so that kind of gets a little, a little closer to English and then Norman conquest, mm -hmm. which is a significant one there, 1066. And that, um, they firmly established the, um, version of French, the old Norman as a language of choice for the elite of the country, which then kind of trickled down to the masses to some extent. And the, the common English kind of trickled up to the, to the elite. And so they kind of had this meshing of, of languages and that sort of all combined 
um, brings us to Middle English that spanned around the 12th through the 15th centuries. And is, as, as mentioned, 15th century is kind of when medieval times is generally considered to have ended. So during the 14th century, the upper class still spoke the Anglo-Norman. But as the century progressed, this is significant here, it almost was completely displaced by English um, there. So and then we get to the latter half of the 14th century, and that's where we have Chaucer in the Canterbury Tales and stuff like that. And English mm-hmm. started to look a lot more familiar at this point. Um, so, so if you look, I mean, you can probably read this one and kind of get what's being said here. A knight there was, and that a worthy man, that for the time he first began to ride and out, he loved chivalry, truth, and honor, freedom, and courtesy. Full worthy was he in his lord's were, and thereto had he ridden no man fur. In well, in Christendom, as in heathenese, and ever honored for his worthy Nessie. <laughs> yeah, and so you you did really uh, good with that, but if people could see it, it okay. like this, yeah, the spellings are really it's weird. Messy all over the place like so that's very unfamiliar we, but the we words use google docs there's so many red lines underneath <laughs> yeah uh, the words themselves like, are familiar uh, uh, so at this point you think oh, okay i could understand this because if they're speaking i'm not having to read it but no you would not be able to understand it actually uh in, in a conversational way because this predated something and you want to talk about rapid change in language that probably people of the era lamented like crazy uh is the great vowel shift uh, so around the mid 14th century through the it, Uh, concluded around the 16th century or so, uh, there was this really rapid change in the way different vowels in English were spoken. And so for a couple examples here, uh, in Middle English, the word bite would be pronounced beat and the word meat would be pronounced mate. Um, And so this, it's just like all the vowels had different sounds basically. And you can see how this would be a problem trying to understand someone talking. So like even if they were say meat later, um, I'm not, I'm not sure how they would say later, but they would say mate later. Um, you know, like, and later would be also different, but um, so you can see that would a uh, different connotation and whatnot. So you mm-hmm. you just, I mean, given a time, you'd probably be able to figure out these vowels like, oh, I got it. Um, you know, like you'd start to figure out the vowel, how, why all the vowels sound different than we expect them to sound. But this would be so hard to understand anyone, even if they were using modern English, it would be weird to understand them. But then also you have other differences as well. So still, you're not going to be able to, um, to, to speak very well before the great vowel shift concluded. Um, and then we got kind of the vowel sounds we have today. And then of course, yeah, we're not going to be able to recognize a lot of words. So you can think, oh, but I'll get around it because they could write it. Cause I mean, you just read that, that thing just fine. The writing, yeah, uh, even though bad. this, but they don't write in like times new Roman, right? If you go look at texts that were written, like the original Chaucer texts and stuff like this, you're not going to be able to read that. Like, um, it's, and also it's, people can't write and stuff really. Yeah. Like, most, most people, people can't write back in the day. Yeah, but even if you could find someone who did, like, oh, people could just Google it. You're not going to be able to read it. <laughs> like, you're just not. It's not something we're familiar with uh, the way they write. So, yeah, you're, you're still not going to be able to do it. Although, when you have this great vowel shift um, happening, it was around this time where things in just like a century switched, where it was like all of a sudden, no way you're going to. And then all of a sudden, oh, yeah, we, we would be able to start understanding them. Um, so we consider, so 1561, we have the play Gorboduk, where it says... A uh, persistent plague, a poisonous ill, hath so and sores in certain now of late, uh, would spirit at heart with a wayward will, a stubborn stomach to nourish debate, bleared yet blinded eyes, a brazen breast, a laden brain, I reckon, not the rest. So yeah, so there, it's a but lot again, more... it's messy. Yeah, it is messy, but it's still pretty readable. And here, again, is sort of at the end of the Great Vowel Shift, where the, they would at least start pronouncing the words more like we would pronounce them to some extent. Anyway, um, 
who still have some accent problems and stuff like that. So that brings us to the turn of the 16th century and 17th centuries there. And this year, this is where we're starting to make like it, it, we're, we're, we're there. So if you've ever read like Shakespeare's plays, King James Bible, you can pretty you got it. Like you can read what it says. Right. And mm-hmm. so this this is when so the, the way they speak and sort of the words are, are starting to really be fairly familiar. And so that is when we could sort of start to make some progress and actually talk. And this significant here was also when things started to become more standardized with language. So like, as we've noted, like in Britain and stuff, you could go, I mean, you can go like 30 miles away and find like a completely different dialect uh, and whatnot. But this started to be a little bit more standardized, particularly in London, where it's sort of like a melting pot of all this stuff that sort of um, got standardization. So if you go to London, you would start to be able to to talk, but you would again, so you would have this, the accent would be very different than you would expect. So you, you were thinking Shakespeare, as mentioned you're thinking like receive pronunciation, but what you would actually get is uh, something akin to original pronunciation, which um, is generally described as sort of a mix of the American and Irish accent um, or or like pirate speak um, is another a common <laughs> thing. So like That's a blending so cool. of everyone speaking like a pirate. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Particularly you'd like make a movie about this and you'd make it legitimate and everyone in yeah. your movie speaking like a pirate and everyone be like, yeah. well, why? it was a bit bad. I mean, they, they just had everyone speak like a pirate. And, so anyway. and it's so much better too for like Shakespeare because Shakespeare was very body and like this and like people think of it all this like refined oh Shakespeare and you have these like received pronunciations it's like no these were like for the common man these plays were made to like rile people up and like be like very body and like all this and uh, and and this and speaking like a pirate is what they actually did and whatnot so this also uh, gets uh, sort of compared to the West Country English accent for people and that also is why we have the general sort of pirate speak because it's not obviously the the way uh, Hollywood depicts it is not actually how pirates, um, you know, talked and whatnot. There's, you know, pirates from different languages and everything. And even the English pirates um, probably didn't talk like that. But the West Country English accent is quite similar. And the reason that all sort of got put together is Robert Newton's 1950s portrayal of Long John Silver in Treasure Island sort of set the standard there. And uh, from there, he he used the West Country English dialect because that's where one he grew up and also where Long John Silver supposedly grew up in the story or whatever. And so they did have fishing and shipyards and stuff there. And so they had different stuff like the yar and whatnot um, that comes from that. And that was a thing in the early when he grew up. That was a thing there. And that just sort of meant like, OK, you know, that was just kind of the affirmation thing there. And so he, he borrowed a lot of this dialect. Do you want fries with that? R. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, and so he just borrowed it uh, for that, for that and that portrayal was so popular and sort of like set the standard for for pirate speak and so that is why you know the west country accent uh, which is more like shakespearean um how they would have talked back then in london so and if you, people want to go check it out uh, david and ben crystal uh, i believe their uh, father-son team they do a, they have a great video on this where they demonstrate the accent and they also explain in great detail how linguists actually know how the shakespearean people talked um how, how they would have talked there and it's, it's quite fascinating um if i remember I will put a link to it, but if I don't, just Google David and Ben Crystal um, Shakespearean accent or whatever. I'm sure it'll come up. So yeah, this is the time in history where you could finally. So that if you're going, if you're not too far before the 16th century, you could go back and speak. But that is after medieval times, so you would not be able to go back mm-hmm. to medieval times and, and speak. Um, so then from that point, it would be more of like a culture shock problem where you got your extreme racism, sexism, religious extremism, rampant <laughs> disease everywhere, uh, relatively oh, yeah, poor disease everywhere. Yeah, relatively poor hygiene, because this was when the disease everywhere started to get people to bathe less often, as we discussed uh, previously. I mean, they still, you know, tried to keep themselves clean, but not like to modern standards, uh, especially at this point when they weren't going to bathhouses all the time. Uh, and then like London smelling just like so awful because like the great stink and like all this and everything was awful and horrible. And that would be 
the more thing that would but you'd at least be able to talk to people for the most part. They would just think you talked a little weird and use some words sometimes. You'd be able they don't to talk understand. to them about their extremely racist, sexist, yeah, and religiously yeah. extreme views. Yeah, you'd get by. They would not understand some words you said and vice versa, but you know, you could get by. Um, Meanwhile, at that point, giving so, you smallpox. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, and your, your immune system's probably crap compared to theirs, you know, because they, they're living with this their whole life. So they probably have like awesome immune yeah. system or all sorts of things. And you're like, you know, getting diarrhea the first second you just like breathe the air. Um, so oh, I'll be bad yeah. if you gave them COVID though. They'd not be able to deal with this. Oh, yeah, 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 true. Uh, you could give, give back. Maybe like add it to the list of other shit that's killing us constantly. <laughs> yeah, the new plague. Um, so that is the the main course for today, which what are, what are we on now? Like, oh, you mean time wise? I don't even know. I, I, I fell asleep for it. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We are having a dessert anyway for people who want more. Um, so this. We're going to talk a little bit about about more being knighted. So like we talked in the previous ones about uh, the historic knighting and stuff. But what about what about today? Like, what's the process? What do you get for being knighted? Do you get anything for being knighted anymore? Or did you ever? We do a video about this. We did. We did. I liked this one. It's kind of interesting. I know the answer, so I won't spoil it, I guess. Yeah. And so, yeah. So first, let's talk a little bit about, you know, the knighting process and what. So you have different orders for people that don't know. And so the queen can appoint a person to different to whatever order she wants, although there's usually some other groups that that recommend um, and then she just kind of goes with it usually. And so, for example, um, so the members of the military or civil service, if they, if they get knighted, they tend to go in the order of bath. People who's work in like foreign relations and stuff will usually go to the order of St. Michael and St. George, stuff like this. So they have different ones that are common. But the most common one is the most excellent order of the British Empire, which is so like Bill and Ted, you know, like. Excellent adventures, like most um, excellent, dude. <laughs> yeah, that's the that's the. Um, that's if the I most had common. that, I'd demand people pronounce it that way. It's <laughs> well, uh, most excellent, and we're gonna discuss because, like, you know, like popular popular media and stuff. Generally, if you're a British person and you're popular enough and for a long enough time, eventually someone might nominate you to be knighted, and that's sort of how people can recommend you, and then they'll look into it and see, oh, did you do something significant enough? And if you're talking about an educator online who gets like. 50 oh, million dude, views a month. This is never going to happen. No, no, no. This is never maybe happen. not today, but let's see you continue to progress. And in like 10 years, you have 150 channels as you would. And then um, yeah. you're getting like 1 billion views per month and you're educating the masses. And until you made business plays, I think you had a chance, but you, you, you'd ruined it. That's true. Yeah. That. No, now yeah. I, now I, now I shit on stuff too regularly. No, yeah. I also don't live in the UK, so that's... Well, but you don't, uh, you don't have to. British, British citizenship, right, still. Um, so yeah, That's true. That's yeah, true. and I, I think there's a chance because you're talking about you get nominated by enough people. There's already been a poll. Have you seen the poll? Google yourself. It comes up. Oh, God. What is and there's actually a, a shocking number of votes to make myself. Simon Whistler a knight, which would be hilarious. I think it would be even more funny to have like Carl Smallwood, Dude, though. <laughs> it would never happen. It'll never happen. I promise you. Yeah, but it could. And uh, yeah, give 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 knighthood to Simon Whistler for his work on educating and entertaining the people. Let's see, what is it? Um, oh yeah, this one, I don't know if this is the one from before, but it has almost 1,500 signed things. And like, wh- who even did that? Like, it's not even mentioned anywhere. But um, yeah, it'd be funny. Sir Simon. I mean, and then you could, the most excellent order, you could just demand people always be like, the most excellent order of the British Empire. But um in any event, so yeah, the queen, uh, she can switch. She doesn't have to go with um, what the recommendation is. Um, uh, she can do whatever she wants for whatever branch or whatever that is 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 put. Um, there is one branch that's the queen's own will, the Royal Victorian Order. She's the only one who can 
choose that one. It can't be recommended or whatever. But um, so that's kind of the, the the general thing you'll get put in. And a lot of people don't know there's rankings within. You're not just like a knight. There's different rankings and stuff on there. So uh, and certain different grades on most of the orders, not all the orders. Some of them don't. Um, and also most of the time it's a knight or a dame. But there is one, the order of the garter and the order of the thistle both have knight or lady. Um, is sort of the it's a single grade one and just like if you're a guy or girl so it's lady instead of dame and then see what is there was another one where the knight bachelor which is only men and it's only knight is the single grade um, but there are rankings and depending on the ranking you can have different stuff so um, if you're a, if you're a low like a, a commander member or companion or lieutenant of a lot of the orders you can only you can't call yourself sir or dame um, or whatever you have but you can append like OBE for officer of the order of the British Empire um, to your name, but you can't, yeah. you can't be a sir, um, which is sort of, this sad. is all very familiar to me. Like, yeah, this yeah. Is, yeah you can't yeah. be, that, that's like yeah. sad because in the end of the day, well, they're lower ranks. They they can give you one later. Like you're not, yeah. it's very rare for someone to be just KBE, the, the knight rank yeah. immediately. It's like, you'll get an OBE, then you might get a CBE, then you'll get a KBE. Like, yeah. It's not all at once. So that's just because it turns out that this is really the only benefit you get from being knighted is that you get to call yourself a sir dame or lady i mean these people don't even get to do that so yeah that's sad well it's still like very prestigious you know it's still yeah. very like you know it's it's quite an honor to yeah it is like even get an obe it is and and you do have some cases like um so like bill gates um bill gates kbe he is he is was knighted or whatever yeah, but um, he can't call himself a sir because he can't, he's not British. Unless he changes his citizenship or he gets, becomes British. Or he gets sure. dual citizenship and then he is allowed uh, to then use the use the thing. And his wife also, Melinda Gates, is also um she's been um uh, she's a dame or or would be if she if she became a UK citizen of, of some sort. But um so yeah, and on that note, a lot of people don't know foreigners can be knighted for, you know, if they do something, you know, sufficient uh, to qualify or the queen considers or, you know, whoever nominates. That, but yeah, that's that's basically all you get is like sir or dame. And you do get a raised profile. Like you say, it's like an honor. But given that most people who are knighted, for the most part, tend to already have kind of a raised profile, at least within their industry, if not the wider world, uh, it doesn't really do a ton there either. So because they kind of already have that. Um, and do you get, so we didn't, I don't think we ever really talked about in ancient times, like, did you get anything back then? Um, I don't think we really mentioned any monetary benefit. And no, like it's never been the case that you really got anything for it um, monetarily or whatever for being knighted. So like as the Royal Collection Trust notes, so since anyone granted the title of knight would quote them, be expected to have the financial ability to support the honor of knighthood so that he could provide himself with arms, armor, houses, and the required number of armed followers to render military service to his sovereign for a minimum period each year. Yeah, so you didn't really get anything. So it's like, yeah, if they're making you a knight, you don't need money. Yeah, yeah. And so, well, and, and back then, if you're a knight, you can kind of like a low-level noble at the least. And so you can kind of rape and pillage and get all the money from that. Um, well, it's kind of, it's, it's like, you know, when you start getting free stuff, you don't need the free stuff anymore. Yeah, yeah. If you're really famous, like, you can, yeah, yeah, exactly. Not even really famous. Like, we get a ton of sponsorship stuff. That's true. And like companies sending me stuff. And I'm like, this is cool. But like... This would have been way cooler five years ago. Now I'm just yeah. like, yeah, okay, thanks. <laughs> yeah. The endless unopened boxes. <laughs> yeah, it's true. It's true. But um, yeah, one historical advantage, though, uh, if you were a knight, that isn't so much a thing today. Well, I guess it could be to some extent. Uh, so if you're captured in battle and you're a knight back then, you could, you generally, they wouldn't kill you. Like if you're, if you're like a general plebeian 
Yeah, they're just slaughtering you. You're you're dead. But if you're like oh, a knight, good. they're like, all right, we'll ransom you back. And so, and this the same. But you didn't actually have to be a knight to do. If you just were very obviously wealthy, they would just ransom you back because they just. And this, it's it's sort of funny to think about because it was all the lower level people who were like, you know, fighting the battles for these wealthy people to sort of for their more lands and all this. And then the the wealthy were just like they just get captured rather than killed. You know, quite often. <laughs> and then we just ransom back. Yeah. Whereas the plebeians like, no, slaughter them. Like they're they're just cattle. Look, I mean. Yeah, but even I mean there's today, no, if, there's no argument there. It's definitely better not to be a, a peasant in the past. We yeah. discussed this many times yeah. in the medieval series. You don't want to be a peasant. Yeah, exactly. I mean, and one, you don't want to be in the past. You definitely don't want to be a don't. peasant in the you past. Just, you don't want to be anything in the past. Basically, even today, if you're like a if you're a knighted person and like you get captured by some I don't know your North Korea or something, I would think the British the British would take more issue to that than like a random citizen, you know, because a little higher profile probably make the news and then they got to do something about it a little more, you know, so I think there's probably still some like added protection there, one would think, but it's just less, I think less so. likely to happen. So, yeah, so yeah. I like and, to think if I was captured, they'd be like, oh, <laughs> Simon, YouTuber <laughs> yeah, got like captured, that one time, got to rescue him. That's the one time you went to China and they told you, did they not like you bring your film gear or whatever or something like that? Yeah, they yeah. like, I... I had to fill out a form, you know, when you get a visa for somewhere and they're like, what's your occupation? I was like, I always write advertising because it's technically true and it doesn't draw oh, attention. And yeah. they, I, I, I guess they Googled me or something because they were like, tell me what you really do. And I'm like, oh, <laughs> and they were just like, please don't make any films in our country. And I was yeah. like, okay. <laughs> it's quite disappointing too because we wanted to do one on that city. There was like a city of some sort that's like, yeah, we definitely didn't. And we didn't discuss doing that. And that oh, never, never mind. Yeah, we were not going <laughs> to ever do that. It was never yeah. in the plan. No, we definitely weren't. There were no plans that ever were in place. Um, so yeah, that's out. <laughs> yeah, so, um, well, if you ever want to go back to China, which you've been there already, what do you, what do you want to go back? I don't like writing countries off in, in their <laughs> entirety. Yeah. yeah. Um, I could definitely go, never go to North Korea. I used to want to go yeah. to North Korea just because yeah, it would be interesting. I can definitely not. No, that wouldn't no work way. out for you. But if you got knighted at some no. point, you went, then it could be a boost your profile. Because no, then you like, make still the news. Me. But um, so, yeah, so like it's funny because King Henry VIII like changed so much in British history, like so many of the way things work, like the church and all this, but like so many other things. But he also changed. He was the one who changed it. So he was then the only one who could knight people. And that's why the queen is the one tonight. Or she can, appo she can appoint someone to knight in her stead. But like, this became it was the monarch was now the only one who could knight people um, because before that if you were just sufficient rank of like a, of a nobleman or or like a captain of the guard or this sort of thing you could make other people knights um, that was a thing people could do until King Henry VIII in England and he decided only he got to make knights which made for really good political benefits for him because he could you know he got to be the one to make everyone knights and stuff so you know that works out for him having that power but um, so the act of knighting itself. So historically, we talked about before, like you have this all this ritual bathing and all this and stuff. And presumably everyone bathes nowadays before they go mm. and dresses up and everything. But so nowadays what actually happens, the actual process, you go there, they put a little thing like a pin on your shirt beforehand. And so that when the queen you go there, she will give you this medal signifying rank in the pin. Basically, she gets to hang it from that. And that's the first thing. And if you're just one of these lower orders, that's really all that happens. So you have uh, that's pretty much it. But if you're going to be an actual like full on knight or dame, then you also get the little shoulder touch with the sword, which usually start the right and the left um, on top of the metal thing. And this is your little dubbing. And note here, she does not say, as is common in a lot of media, where she'll be like, rise, sir, so and so. She doesn't say anything. Um, sometimes she'll just talk and joke around with the people. 
Um, but like there's nothing official mm-hmm. being said or she might not say anything at all. Um, or whoever, if she points someone to knight you instead, like they might not say anything. But um, And also if you just get the medal, yeah, like, like I said, you're not allowed to be a sir or a dame or call yourself that. It's quite unfortunate. It's like the one, the one cool thing. And there is, everything's like still ritualistic a little. There's the knighting stool, which is like an official thing. I think it's like Ooh. a, it's like a century old or something like that. And immaculately maintained, but it's the same stool. And that's what you kneel on and whatnot. And the queen uses her sword, the sword, her sword, her personal sword, which was the sword of her father before George VI, when he served as the colonel of the Scots Guards. So she uses that. That's her personal weapon. She's the only one who gets to use that sword, even, even if awesome. she, she has a personal weapon. Yeah, totally. Sword. They all do that that night because they have to have their own sword uh, so she can appoint someone to and then they have to use their own sword. And so this is a funny story. Wait, with, the knights really get swords? No, no, the the ones who are, who are dubbing them, you know, like the dubbing. So the ones oh, she appoints okay. to make knights. Okay. So yeah, that's the disappointing thing. You don't even get a sword. Like, I think that should actually be a thing. Like, you should definitely get a sword, like a custom sword that has like some... Didn't, to, didn't what's his face? Didn't... um. Yeah, Terry Pratchett. When he got yeah, knighted, yeah. he made a sword he, for himself. Yeah, yeah, he had yeah. one. He had one forged. And I think, yeah, that's even more fun. I think would be to forge it yourself. Would be pretty cool. Uh, your own sword or whatever. I get the feeling if you're a knight, you're probably busy. You know, yeah, you're like yeah. writing books or like, yeah. I don't know, saving the world. And he was funny because he actually lamented. So he had this sword made, but he's not. You're not allowed to carry it in the UK. He can't carry a sword around. Oh yeah, you can't carry a. You can't yeah. carry anything over three he inches. Is, I think it is. Like yeah, he's inches. literally a knight, and I think there should be an exception in the law. If you're knighted, one, you're probably not going to go on a rampage. You're safe, but like you should be allowed if you're an official. Well, so who British goes on a rampage with a sword? Yeah, <laughs> but yeah, but you know, like he should be allowed to carry that sword. That should have been like an exception, just because you know he's a knight. He gets to. But um, uh, this uh, speaking of the sword, so Princess Beatrice, uh, Princess Beatrice once um. This was a news item that they denied. Everyone involved denied it for a few years. And then it came out that, no, that is actually what happened. So she jokingly likes to take, what is it, her father, Prince Andrew's sword, his ceremonial sword, the official one, and like jokingly knight people at parties. It's like a thing. Yeah, she does. I love this. It's such yes. a great story. Yeah, so she jokingly knighted James Blunt, but she was swinging the sword around when she was doing it, and she accidentally slashed Ed Sheeran's face uh, like and almost took his eye out. Um, and so he got, he got the, the cut. And then afterwards it was, they all like, no, that's not how he, you know, that's not how he hurt himself at the party. But then later Ed Sheeran started to go back on that. And then his manager, uh, Stuart Camp was like, yeah, that's exactly what happened. And they were quite upset. Uh, they should have embraced that from day one. It's such a yeah, cool story. It like, is. Yeah. Haven't. Yeah. But it, you know, I think it, cause the Royal family doesn't make just Beatrice like sort of like drunkenly waving the sword around the <laughs> official sword and like knighting people. Um, I think it makes us sound cool. Yeah, it does. But. Yeah, so you don't you don't get a fiefdom, peasants, nothing. I feel like you should get like some land and like a sword. That should be just a thing. It's not going to be super expensive. They don't, you know, not knighting people every two seconds. That should be added to, to the title just for fun. Completely agree. Uh, it, while, while it is a great honor, it turns out about 2% of people who, who are officially uh, deemed worthy and they, they can be knighted reject it for whatever reason, about 2%. And so... This is not public record, really, and there are reasons why uh, it usually isn't. But uh, we do know some, like comedian John Cleese. Uh, he he rejected and famously said he was more honored having a Lemur, the Avi Cleese, named after him. <laughs> and David Bowie. Wait, what is that? I don't know. He just has some sort of Lemur. That... Oh, a lemur. Yeah. Oh, that's how you isn't that? It's a type lemur. of cat or something. Like, a, isn't it like an animal? Yes, you're you're correct. That's probably. Yeah. Yeah, and David Bowie was... Wait, like, maybe I might be my pronunciation. No, I, 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 I... I don't know how to pronounce anything. No, I'm pretty sure you're right. So, yeah. the um, So, that one, and then David Bowie was another one who... Uh, he turned it down twice. Twice David Bowie turned it down. 
Um, and uh, I yeah. don't think you should be offered it twice, to be honest. If you turn it down once, yeah, I feel like that should be like, I, no, you don't get it. You don't get a second shot at it. Yeah, but he did. And um, yeah, most of the time when people turn it down, well, often it's not even known. But even when it is known, that their reasons is usually not made public. But yeah, we do. You can do um, some people do like freedom of information requests and sort of sort this stuff out and whatnot. So that is the process of being knighted and you disappointingly, you get nothing really. And, and you definitely should get like a little cottage or something and like a little something and a sword. I don't know, man. Like being knighted is pretty cool. Like yeah. it's it, like, yeah. I don't know, at least in the UK, at least my perception of it, it's like if you got knighted, it's yeah. like that's, no, that's pretty, pretty top notch. Like, yeah, it's cool. As long as you get to be called a sir or a dame, uh, I think that that makes it way cooler. If you're just like the little, like your KBE or whatever, you know, I guess it looks good on a resume yeah. if you're like applying for a job or something. Yeah, but I don't imagine that many of them applying for jobs. Yeah, yeah. It's like, I feel like once you get your knighted, you're not really putting together a resume. Yeah, yeah, probably not. But um, all right, yeah. that is today's lengthy episode. And then we're going to... Yeah, indeed, super lengthy. Yeah. Uh, so I'll just wrap it up and say thank you everybody for listening. Uh, if you made it all the way through, hero. If you'd like to give us a review, yes, uh, do that wherever you get your podcasts. Um, we are, when we get to a thousand reviews on Amazon US, we're going to give a thousand dollar Amazon gift card away to some lucky winner uh, who left us a review. Uh, it doesn't have to be on Amazon, uh, on iTunes US. It's just that's what we're using as our benchmark. We'll go through all of the major platforms and dig someone out. So that is that. Check out, what did we plug today? Side projects, highlight history. Fact Quickie and these uh, Ancient Marvels, which has nothing up, but uh, well, and uh, also Fact Quickie, the videos that are up are nothing like the ones that are going to be up at some point soon. Well, there you go. Thank you very everybody for listening. Who is the guy with all the weird shoes and the gold hats and stuff?